Fulkins Brothers Trucking, complete livestock hauling. A load with us is a load off your mind since 1979. Call Trim at 800-831-8553. That's Fulkins Brothers Trucking. Um, call Trim at 800-831-8553. And thank you, fellas, for being part of our show. Hey, Tope, it's another busy night. Yeah, you keep booking them, but I guess as long as they're willing to talk to us, we better talk to them. Hey, absolutely. And by the way, Hoagie's Garage. Yeah, that's where we're at. It. I forgot to say it. Jeez, you're slipping, bud. I know. I'm old, too. Hey, basketball season started, so I've been going to the ball games. Me and the wife work in the concession stand quite often, help out. The Grafing boys come up to me, Reagan, River. They're not done racing yet. They're not? No, no. They're going to Lincoln, I think, in the end of December. There's some indoor show down there they're headed down to. And she's going to try and live stream it, but she ain't figured out how to do it yet. And I thought, God, I should have told her to talk to you. I didn't think of that until I was coming over here tonight. Bud live, stream, Bud live streams basketball games and crap all the time with these kids in. But she was going to talk to Jeff Cruz, and they were going to figure some way out so she could live stream it for us. She's going to keep me updated. If, if she's talking to Jeff Cruz, it's going to be way more advanced than like a Facebook Live <laughs> thing that I do. He's, he's, uh, he knows his technology, yeah, let's so, just say. So you're saying I don't need to bring you up the next time I see her? Yeah. Okay. okay. But anyway, the Grafing boys are going to go racing again. So That's awesome. So we'll they can't to, get enough of it, can no, they? No, no, they're pretty hooked. He's, uh, Reagan was talking. He's, you know, he's missing her pretty hard already. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, hey, speaking of basketball, uh, we won our first one. I gotta give a shout out to my son because he played pretty well last night. Um, he tied the school record for threes in one game. He made uh, oh really made seven threes last night. So he was seven for eight, I think. Who did so, he tie? Well. I don't know. Oh. He tied two others. But I did have the record for a long time at six. So he did beat his old man. So oh, Not that he rubbed that in at all. No. He probably doesn't even know I had the record at one time. Oh, at well, six, I'll make sure and tell him next yeah. time I see him. <laughs> yeah. He, he's so much better than what I was, it's not even funny. So it is what it is. But, hey, tonight racing, we got Matt Richard on. And... You know, we're going to find out all about him yep. and see what kind of stories he has for us. So when we come back, we'll have Matt Richard on. <clears throat> hey, Toe, you know, every once in a while I want to go to Knoxville or Pella, and I have troubles finding a place to stay. Do you have any good ideas of where a guy could stay? Heck, I'd try the Turn 2 Lodge, bud. It's a house right north of the track. I think you can probably hear the races. You ain't have to leave till the races start. Walk down. If you're in the area, whatever, visiting anything, I'd check out the Turn 2 Lodge. Find it on the Airbnb. All right, we're back at Hoagie's Garage. We've got Matt Richards with us tonight. How you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys asking me to be on the show. You bet. Where where exactly are you living these days? Uh, right now, I'm actually calling Billings, Montana home. I've been for about three and a half years. Awesome. Well, that's a little ways out there then. Yeah, not as far as I used to be. I used to live in Washington State. Oh, okay. You bet. I've been, you know, to, I've been to Washington State and I've been to Billings. Yeah, and Washington State was beautiful geographically. I mean, probably one of the most beautiful states I've been in. I've been in a lot of them. And, uh, but um, it was like moving back to the America when I came back to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> if you catch my drift. Yep, yep, yep. I understand. <laughs> Oh, 
hey, let's let's just get started with um, you know, what I read up on you, Matt, was you you were like a stud athlete when you were in high school. How did how did racing trump uh the sports? Uh, I heard, you know, baseball, you were like unbelievable. Um, well, uh back when I was playing organized baseball stickball, they only had uh like Bantam and then Teeter League and then they had the Legion Ball. And then after Legion Ball, you were done playing. You didn't, you didn't get to play in high school. You didn't get to play. You know, I had to wait to in, and get into amateur ball. And so there's not really an opportunity for me to get into continuing playing organized baseball. So um, I had been racing, you know, and kind of doing both of those in the summertime, which is, it's real hard to juggle that. <laughs> uh, so, because it's both summertime sports. And uh, I did take 1986 off, and I just played baseball. I didn't race at all that year. And then I was done, uh, I think it was, no, it was 85 I did. And then um, in 86, I got back into racing uh, because I was done playing ball because there's no organized ball to do it anymore. So oh, okay. <laughs> that's kind of why that happened. You bet. So... Then you were you racing go karts then while you were playing yeah, sports, or what did you start racing in, and how how did you progress up? I well, I'm gonna start off how the racing all got started in the Richard family. This kind of ties into Ron Fick's story. Remember him talking about Warpath Speedway? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah my grandpa owned that. Oh, oh okay. that's awesome. Family operation. Yeah, my my grandpa owned it. My dad worked there and kind of ran the you know the the rental carts and all that. And then he raced and built go kart engines for guys that wanted to race there on the weekends. So um, that's how it all got started. My grandpa raced uh, go karts. They had the old fiberglass Corvette bodies on them and all that stuff. Yep. Tires were about one and a half inches wide. <laughs> had way more power than they needed. They were running. Two McCull uh two eight twenty West Bends tied together with tires that were harder than a concrete. Well that almost had to be kind of fun though. <laughs> oh my dad my dad was a machine when he was when he raced, he was a machine. He won a lot of the races all over the the, the area, the region in 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 uh in South Dakota, Iowa, Nebraska. They used to do these enduro carts, uh, enduro races. They weren't like, you know, he races and then a feature. You'd race for like five hours. They did enduros with go-karts? Yeah, they just it would, it would just be a long distance. Yeah. You know, they had pit stops and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've seen enduros with body cars, but never with the go-kart. Never even heard of it. Yeah, they used to do it on street races. He told me all the stories about it. And he decided one time to not have as many fuel stops. He was going to put one of them white jerry jugs in between his legs. Oh my God. And he said, I hit a big bump. He says it cracked and that methanol came out of there. He says, Boy, that was cold. <laughs> then it got real hot. Shrinkage. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, my dad, he, he was real fast. Um, and, um, and my, he actually, when he started dating my mom, he got my mom racing go karts. My uncle Mike, he raced go karts. Uh, Grandpa raced go karts until he flipped real hard uh, one night. I believe it was in Del Rapids the old Del Rapids track. And my grandma said, you're never doing that again or I'm leaving you. <laughs> so, um, and it was, it was a good one. He put him in the hospital. Oh, Ooh. 
<laughs> so, but my grandpa ran number three. So when I started racing go-karts, my grandpa was kind of, he was, he was a hard ass and, and old grumpy old guy, but he was cool as hell. And I loved him a lot. So when I started racing, I picked number three. And that's how, what I started racing. Everybody said, oh, you picked it because of Earnhardt. And I said, no, I picked it. There's a lot better driver than Earnhardt. That was my <laughs> grandpa. So um, I started with that. And actually got in an open wheel magazine because um, I was just covered in mud one night. And Tom Savage uh, Sr. is the one. No, I think Jeff Savage, his son, is the one that took the picture. But it's in, it's in one of the last pages of an open wheel. I think it was Sammy's. Sammy Swindell, that independent front suspension car. Okay. I think that was uh, the yeah. issue was in. So that's kind of cool, you know, getting oh, yeah. getting in there. And that then, was as uh, big as it got before the internet and everything showed up. Oh yeah, man. You know, and the thing is, you couldn't tell it was me. You couldn't <laughs> see that it was number three. I was so covered in mud, but I knew it was me because I uh, they you know I went to school with uh, Tom Savage Jr. And he told me, yeah, my brother got you a picture in open wheel. So it was kind of cool. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're 10 and 11 years old. You're in open wheel already. You're, I was going to be a star, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, I kept running number three. Um, like uh, we raced pretty much local up until, you know, 85. I quit racing to, to play the ball. And when we came back in 86, uh, my dad had, hit, was selling go-karts out of his uh, Maury's Repair Shop. And uh, we had an old 82 Black Widow left over from those days. So when I came back in 1986, that was what I put together to race. And we raced pretty decent locally. And then we went down to Ray House Speedway down in Oskaloosa, Iowa. And find out how fast we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and we got our butts handed to us. I mean, uh, we used to travel around with uh, Jeremy Caskin and Corby Caskin. Yep. And, and we used to just go all over and race all these uh, these uh, different racetracks all over the Midwest uh, just to get faster. Yep. And uh, so in 86, I came back. I think I finished, I don't know, in the top 10 in the B main. And, I mean, there's some tough guys down there. Uh, there's a guy that raced at Rayoff Speedway in 87, and his name was Tony Stewart. He <laughs> <laughs> was just a kid. Yeah. But, um, but no, so then I um, started racing all over the Midwest. And in 87, my dad actually became a pro-line dealer. Uh, it's a type of go-kart yeah. chassis. Yeah, you had a bug to and, start uh, with. so I was in top-notch equipment because I know the 82 wasn't doing too damn good. <laughs> And uh, so we got into that. My dad built my KT100 Yamaha engines. And then I had uh, Steve Sullivan out of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, actually, uh, Terry McCarl knows him uh, pretty well. He builds a real good super stock. So he built us a super stock. And then my dad also built my um, flathead Briggs & Stratton engines. So I had three carts. And we go to these big go-kart races have you ever heard of quincy in the park race yes i have yes okay that race right there you go there your first time and you finish you did good really because it's that brutal it is just i mean it's a demanding track the best guys show up they're running asphalt i mainly ran dirt so i'm learning asphalt 
and we went there the first time and I finished and I think I entered maybe two classes in the KT 100 class. Uh, well, by the time that I raced there the last time I had, uh, we had four carts cause we had Kurt Olstad racing with us. Um, he used to help out Mike Brood again on Greg Ford's car. And so we had four carts. Well, we had Yamaha on one. Um, we had uh, that uh, PCR, which was a super stock on one. Had a couple of four strokes on the other ones. And I would enter in like seven or eight classes in one day. Oh, my. Wow. So I would get basically their 20-minute races. The road course is a mile and an eighth long. And you could do a lap in probably 58 seconds. So every race was 20 miles, left and right turns, different elevations. They had jumps where you literally jumped a go-kart, which, Seriously, you know. there's not a lot of suspension on a go-kart. No, there's not. It, <laughs> I've tested it out plenty of times, and I know there's not. <laughs> but uh, so we raced all day long, and I'd wear out I had so many sets of tires and you know i was working two jobs back then uh, to help pay for all this you know it wasn't like my dad said oh yeah i'm just gonna spend a bunch of money on you kid you oh, know yeah he's like okay you're gonna share the share the expense in this and we basically went half and you know uh i bought some of the stuff he bought some of the stuff and and we shared fuel expenses on the way down there we had a 460 ford that had a box on the back of it because you put a bunch of carts in there and everything. It got like four miles. I was gonna say so you're a long ways into single digits. <laughs> yeah, it just it was an awesome truck. We were we, we actually used the same truck to pull the race car around, our, our sprint car. Oh, okay. I think we, maybe we, I remember it was a that. 77 E three fifty. After we went sprint car racing, we took the box off and built living quarters on it. I think I remember. I shouldn't guess the color, but I want to say, was it blue or? No, it's white. White. Okay, then I'm. I, but I do remember the big old truck. Yeah, we uh, that thing been all over the country, <laughs> and uh, we actually got it to the point where it's plywood inside, and said, "All right, we can use it. Let's use it." And right before we sold it, we finished off so it looked like brand new. It's <laughs> an awesome selling point. Wait to finish it till you were getting rid of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We were too busy working on race cars to finish it. Yeah. Um, so, getting back to the racing deal, I go to the 1987 IKF Grand Nationals. Well, I'm going to run in four or five different days. I'm going to run six classes. Well, Danny Young ran three. Uh, Danny Young got killed at Knoxville many years ago, but he raced go-karts at the same time I did. Okay. Well, he ran number three down in that area, so he got number three. Well, I told him, you can't run a, a letter in go-karts because the number plates are too small. They can't see them. Yep. I said, just give me a number that I can run in all classes. They said, well, you can run 31. I said, all right. And th that number just stayed with me after that. Yeah. That happened in 1997, and I ran it until I basically retired. Well, when I drove Tom Wilson's car the last year I raced, um, it was number three because I brought my grandpa's number back. Okay. Because it wasn't my car. He, you know, he didn't want to run just any number. He let me pick the number, and I told him why. He said, yeah, I love it. So that's why that uh, white and, and uh, green, true green Cam Wong car had the number three on it. That's awesome. So that's how I came, came about having the 31 number. And uh, so I raced 
up until I was in my twenties, I uh, probably about nineteen or twenty. No, I was probably well, I graduated from high school and uh, went to college. That didn't work out for me. <laughs> it was uh, kind of uh, majored in cardiology, and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, school is just not for everybody. I'm one of them guys. I just want to work and make money. That's all I want to do. So I go and I start working for my dad. And uh, I was a mechanic for him, small engine mechanic. Yep. I've been around him all my life. So it allowed me to make a pretty decent living. And and then uh, one day, Brian Schnee, I've heard Brian Schnee was looking for somebody to help him start building race cars. And... Uh, I went out and talked to him. I told my dad, I said, I love working for you and everything, but, you know, building race cars, that's kind of really cool. Hey, go for it, kid. I went out and talked to him. Brian hired me on the spot, mainly because I was Maury Richards' kid because my dad was a pretty good fabricator, and everybody knew that he was, you know, pretty pretty much a stud, and I kind of learned a lot from him. So uh, Brian hired me and started working for Schnee in, uh, I think, the spring of, spring of 88, and that's when, the, you know, we built the 8D cars that year. Uh, saw a lot, of, a lot of Doug Wolfgang out the shop, which I'd met Doug, you know, and just kind of like, hi, Doug, you know, because he was my hero. Yeah. <laughs> Never really got to talk to him. So I got to, you know, I got to BS with him at Brian's, you know, like after work and stuff and just started, you know, it, it, we became, you know, I would consider friends. He yeah. might think differently, but I, I like him. <laughs> and uh, so we did that. And I worked for Brian, and and then uh, this is one of the stories I got to tell you. It was a, this is a ball. So when they get the AB car all together, and that year is the year that they ran the U.S. Sprints and World Outlaws. And Steve Kinzer, Sammy Swindell, they kind of broke off to do the USA Sprints, you know, and uh, they were opening up their season in Savannah, Georgia. So Brian says to me, Go pack your bag, kid. We're going to Savannah. It's you, me, and Marlon Jones. Well, I don't, I don't really have to say anything more about that. I mean, us three and Marlon Jones' Nissan Sentra drove straight through from Sioux Falls to Savannah and show up at the racetrack, you know, and we're just all like a bunch of high school girls. We're so giddy because we can't wait to see this car go around the racetrack. We're watching the race, and basically Steve was – Steve Kinzer was leading it. Doug was running right behind him. And and I, I think it was either, it was the last lap. He's either turn two or turn four because it was 100 years ago. I don't remember that long. But Steve passed, Steve got passed by Doug in the last corner. And we're all standing on the AD trailer. And we're jumping up and down and hugging each other like a bunch of high school girls. <laughs> Can't believe that it just happened. And, and I mean, from that day forward, um, you know, basically, Schnee was just just jam packed with orders. Oh yeah. So um, we got to go to a couple other races. We went down to uh, Devil's Bowl, and it got rained out. That was a USA race, and then the Outlaws were racing Oklahoma City, and it was me and Brian and Marlin again. And uh, I think they had their wives along. So we jump, it rains out, so we haul up to Oklahoma City, and the the, D, the DP Motorsports, they had trouble getting out of the pits, 
Well, Doug was in his motorhome, and he made it to the track. The car didn't show up, and Doug missed the heat races, qualifying, all that. So he started he started tail end of the B main, and uh, I was there and watched him run from the back of the B, win that, and then run from the back of the A main and win that. Wow. I mean, it was just like watching that guy race is just, I mean, it's like that guy's awesome. And on top of it, a car you helped build. Yeah, and that, that was the coolest part is that uh, you know I'm built, I'm helping build these cars. Yeah, you know at that time I wasn't welding anything yet, but I you know I was notching all the all the tubes and you know and helping Brian set all of you know set everything in the jig yep. and you know I was mainly building earth bars and bumpers and wing mounts and stuff like that and all the critical stuff Brian was doing, and uh, so we go you know it, it's just you know being associated with a guy that is that good it's kind of cool to be able to say you've done that yeah Absolutely. and he's still going yeah he's still damn building them so yeah and well i'm telling you what brian builds one of the best race cars ever i was fortunate enough i think i ran one other chassis make in all the years that i raced i drove somebody else's car and it wasn't a Chenet. otherwise every car that i raced was a Chenet. that's awesome but uh Getting back to, you know, how I got into sprint car racing, I was working for Brian, and uh, Doug actually had a brand new car that they brought out to uh, Eldora uh, with the AD car and crashed it that night. So the car had that race on it, and it was tweaked a little bit, but I was going to get into that limited sprint class with the two-barrel carburetor, small wing, no yep. nose wing, manual steering. So <laughs> they send this car back up to Brian to have it front clipped. And, and I, you know, I told Brian, I wanted to, you know, get into racing. So he just says to me, well, I'll just give you that car. And I'm like, what? Yep. There you go. You got a chassis now. Fix the damn thing. Go racing. Really? And I'm like, you're cool. Uh, <laughs> I, you, I really like you now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was telling everybody you're, you're a butt, but now I'm not. Yeah, now I got to cool. change my tune. Yep, now I got to change my tune. So um, I actually get a hold of uh, Deuce Terrell, and I actually bought a lot of the stuff off of one of the AD cars to put on that car race limited class. Really? Me and my dad jumped in two. Uh, he had a little Ford Ranger, and I had a little Toyota pickup with with toppers on them. We drove to Memphis, and we basically went out of there, and them things were stuffed full of race car parts. And came back to South Dakota and basically started putting the first 31 sprint car together, the limited car. And I wasn't very good at picking colors. You know, I had like a red frame, white body, and pink numbers. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, that kind of looks like crap, but I ain't got no money to change it. So um, I just ran it that way the first year, and that's when I brought in the blue frame and, and blue on the body and all that. Well, paint but, don't make uh, them go fast, so. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, and I went fast enough one time with a paint job. And paint was flying off of it. But I don't think it was as fast as just a poor paint job. <laughs> ah, it was the speed. It was all the speed, Matt. Hey, yeah, that's, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. You know, I got. So, I got. Uh, I got to ask you one question before you keep going there. So when that? you guys went down, you and Snay and Marlin, did. Was there a floor in the car, or did you guys could you see the bottom? You know, Marlon ran without a floor plate a few times. He said, so I was just curious. What the, the Nissan? Yeah, 
Oh, actually, I think it was his wife's car, so she had the better of the two. We couldn't take his because I think we probably would have never made it. <laughs> but that was, but we went down there and we go to, you know, we're down in golf country. So we go to this golf course, we're wearing shorts, spring car shirts, you know, we're going to go golf in 18 holes. And they said, uh, you can't play golf here dressed like that. Why not? <laughs> we do well, it at home. Oh man, we had to we had to rent a button down shirt, slacks, and all this garb just to go golfing. And then the damn golf course had like probably six holes that were surrounded in water, surrounded by water. So I like went to the lawnmower where the lawnmowers that hit the balls, and I bought out of that, out of that bin, because I knew I was going to go through a few that day. You golf like, like I do. 25, Twenty-five cents a ball, you know. Uh, don't have to feel bad if it goes out there. It ain't them six-dollar no, balls people buy nowadays. I'm not even going to look for that. I mean, it was cut out of the woods, out of the forest. <laughs> so if you're, you know, if you lumberjack, is like, oh, that ball's gone. Yeah, that one's gonna stay there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there. But uh, yeah, so we did that, and we used to do that, go golfing wherever we went. So that was kind of one of our deals that we did. And, and uh, but so then we. Uh, I get my car together and all that, and I think the first night out, um, I raced part. I raced at Red Devil Speedway. Uh, my dad said, "You're not racing Houston's. We won't have a car left after the night." <laughs> I said, "All right, whatever. Let's go learn and where where there's only one wall, and that's on the front stretch." Yeah. So we go out there, and, and I'm running, and you know, I thought I was hauling ass, and I got lapped my first night out. I was like. Whoa, I'm, I thought I was going to be pretty fast in this, but you know what? It's a little tougher than I think it was. Yeah, well, the guys make it look easy. You know, and, well, I hurt the motor that night. It, um, well, we didn't break in the cam correctly, or I think my, me and my dad were talking about this last week when I was home. Um, he said he had one lifter that didn't rotate exactly the way he wanted. He said, oh, it'll work itself in. That one didn't rotate, so he took a load off the cam. And I ended up spinning out because... The motor got so hot that it blew the radiator hose and dumped it under the car, and it was just like being an ice oh, skate sure. and I looped it. So we got the motor fixed, and then the next week, we went down to Rock Rapids, and I think I ran third that night. That was the second night in the car, and I'm like, okay, maybe I don't suck as bad as I thought. <laughs> You know, we didn't have a lot of room to play with shocks or anything because we had to run truck shocks on those cars. Okay. So you couldn't really adjust the car yeah. with the shocks. You know, you had to do it with, you know, with other means. And, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody always tells me, you know, says, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you, you had that slanted wing. Well, actually, Steve Ballinger was the first one to slant his wing. Okay. He did it at Rock Rapids, and I think that night he got tipped over and it wrecked it, and then he didn't run it again after that, so nobody really saw it. And, you know, I thought it was a hell of a good idea. He had a little 4x4 four four wing. My wings, I built, my, me and my dad actually built the first wing that I ran on the 31 car, and my dad had this idea. He said, a Piper Cub only takes this much speed in order to lift it off the ground. It weighs this much. So I'm going to take that that foil, flip it over, so it'll create downforce, and that's what we ran. So we ran that until, cool. I think, the sixth night, I think, I wrecked that wing. So he, he modeled it after an airplane wing. Yeah, he did, because okay. he, he looked at all. I mean, my dad, 
a lot of people look at my dad and don't, you know, the, the ones that know him know he's smart. Yeah. Very intelligent guy. My dad thinks everything through. And that was what he, that was one of the things. Well, let's get more downforce out of this small wing. You know, I don't know what the other wing guys are doing, but this wing design works on airplanes. It's worked for years. They still build that way. It can't be wrong. <laughs> true, true. So, so you know, we, we built that that way. Well, we continued to run the 31 car. I think I won four features my first year. And we did all right. We never ran at Houston's, uh, just for the simple fact that uh, I really couldn't afford to put a car together every night I raced there because I was, <laughs> I was kind of, uh, what you would say, uh, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, I thought. Yep. When I was, you know, 20, 21 years old. Well, didn't we all at some point in time? Well, we were the smartest people in the world, but you look back and we're probably the biggest idiots, you know, that were <laughs> ever born. <laughs> you know, we all realize that now. But so uh, we go to uh, the following year, um, you know, um, instead of just running a standard car, um, you know, Brian was trying some different things and I said, oh, yeah, I'll drive that. You know, we were doing. We started doing stack tube cars and and this and that. So I think I built a stack tube car for the next year, and and uh, I think I moved the engine back a little bit. And we ran part of that year by the limited rules, and then that was when IMCA started coming in. So everybody, you know, like Houston's was running IMCA sprints, Lake County was running IMCA, uh, Rocky was running IMCA, and Hartford was running limiteds. Well, they, uh, to try and get the car count up, um, Red Devil said, okay, if you run the harder tires and put these uh, restrictors on the exhaust, you can run injection, you can run power steering, you can do all this stuff. Well, by then I'd done pretty good. So I had some money backing me a little bit then. So first thing I did, called Dick Thompson, bought an injection from him. I bought a, a, a called up Rosie, bought a power steering gear. Because, you know, I had a steering wheel that was bigger than a Mack truck. So yeah, that thing, well, indeed, turn it, that without thing. the power steering. Yeah, I mean, we were on manual steering in them limits. Yep. You know, and that's why most of them guys that ran the limits, they're all big dudes. I mean, look at Lyndon Johnson, um, uh, Barry Foster, you know, we were all big, big guys. Yep. And, uh, so I went and got all that stuff, got some tires and everything. And I think we put on a string of like 10 wins at, at Red Devil. Because, I mean, I'm sorry, you go to two-barrel carburetor that has like 11 16 hole in it to eight that are two and three sixteenths, you can get some more air in that engine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, instantly, we bolted that thing on and that thing just woke up. And uh, so we put on a string of quite a few wins there. And then um, the following winter, we basically went the next step further. You know, I got into building coilover cars and, and you know, and, I, and it was awesome because, you know, by then I knew Doug real well. Doug just calls up uh, Pro Shocks. He says, yep, this is the guy's name. I'm giving you your number. And I get to talk to the guy that basically is the main designer of Pro Shocks. <laughs> I get to talk to that guy one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, 
you know, that was the thing that I got to do that a lot of other people didn't. I didn't have a ton of money. I had some good backing, but, you know, I did it with knowledge and know-how and and talking to the right people. Yep, yep. You know, and uh, so then I built that coilover car and, and basically had some shocks made for it and uh, got the angles all right and everything. And, yeah, I did really, really well with that coilover car. I mean... It didn't matter if I took it to a big half mile or took it to a small bull ring. That thing just worked. And it took me a little while to figure it out, but um, I, I just love that car. I mean, I had the engine move back an inch, had the rear end move forward an inch. When I went to the Super Nationals one year, I had to move the front axle forward so I could pass tech. <laughs> such a short wheelbase. Wheelbase was too short, yep. Yeah, just knock the front jam nuts on the front radius rods and move that thing an inch forward. They measured it, said it was good. Rolled it back and raced it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, um, and then, uh, and you know, we went through that. Well, one of my, I think, I, you know, I won quite a bit, quite a few races, and never won Cheaters Day, which I'm still irritated about. <laughs> but uh, because that track's gone now, so I yep. can't ever say that I won Cheaters Day at the fairgrounds. But. Um, uh, I didn't win as many races that year, but in 1996, Wolfgang came back after being burned. I realized he wasn't the Doug that he was before, yeah. but he came out to win the track championship at Houston's. And I, I stopped him from doing that. So I guess that's one of my, <laughs> my favorite accomplishments. The only thing it did that year, he wouldn't even talk to me. <laughs> he, he was literally that mad that, you know, I was competing with him. And it was funny because the first night that he raced there, that I raced with him there, yeah. I finished second. I couldn't even see him. He <laughs> was that damn far ahead. You know, and everybody else was complaining and everything. I'm like, people, school's in session. Yeah. See how fast our cars can go? Learn we something gotta, here. We got to work up. We got to work on what we're doing. Yep. So I watched the way, you know, watched what he was doing. I go over and like spy on his car because, you know, I'm sorry. I, I build race cars. I can look and see, oh, that's different. Oh, that's yeah. different. So you knew what I never to look really for. took any, I never really took any of his ideas because Doug liked a loose race car and I liked a tight race car. So we had two different styles. So a lot of his stuff wouldn't work, but some of the driving stuff that he was doing, you know, I could see that, you know, and then him and I were starting. I mean, I, I, when I, I raced, I think I started better than 17th, maybe twice. <laughs> I mean, we we had to run them from the back every yep, night. Yep. High points you know, in the so back. I could start right next to me, and I'd watch him just go through traffic, and it was just like, okay, I suck at going through traffic. I got to learn and watch what he's doing. So I paid attention and got it to the point where I could, you know, couldn't go through traffic like him. He was a Doug Wolfgang. I'm sorry. You just yep. can't compare yourself to that. But that's why I just watched what he was doing and how he was driving. So I learned how to get through traffic a lot better. You know, and it was funny because quite a few layers after I quit racing and he wasn't racing anymore, we were sitting in the booth in turn one at Houston's. And I asked him, I said, 1996, you know, I thought we were friends and you talked to everybody but me. <laughs> and his wife, Jerry, said probably six, seven words to me in my whole life. She's just, that's just the way Jerry is. She's real quiet. When she says something, she means it. And she goes, he doesn't like getting beat. <laughs> And I'm like, what? She goes, he's good friends with Steve Kinzer. 
there's a lot of times he won't even talk to Steve because he has trouble beating Steve. Yeah. You know, and Doug is competitive. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I just told him, I said, well, all you would have to do is ask me to go play racquetball with you. I said, you would have handed me my butt and then felt better about yourself. Because <laughs> he is one hell of a racquetball player. I've heard, heard that. Him a couple of times, and that was way out of my league, I'm telling you. Well, you, yeah, that racquetball, that's a tough sport. You got to pay attention. Oh, I'll tell you what. You know who's really good at it, too? Jim Pruitt, based on street stock. Okay. He's a hell of a racquetball player, too. But, yeah, I, I give amends to them guys. It's 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 a hard sport, and it's tiring. That's how Wolfgang stayed in shape all them years. I'll guarantee you, you know, I ain't playing did, it no more. Yeah, and he did uh, He did tell me when I, you know, I asked him, what's what's the best advice you can give me? He said, be in shape. He said, because, he says, a lot of these races, you see how it looks like I get faster? He said, I'm not getting any faster. Everybody else is slowing down because they're falling out of the seat. Getting tired, okay. And Doug still runs to this day. Yep. I ran 10 miles a day. Um, in the wintertime, um, both me and Brian, we built a replica cockpit. It wasn't a full cockpit. We'd sit and watch TV, had shock absorbers on a steering wheel, so we could steer a steering wheel and have resistance, and we built the muscles it takes to wear a dry race car. Okay. When you do that all winter and everybody else is drinking beer and partying and having a good time, yep. when you come in the first day, all those muscles that you use to drive a sprint car, they're already there. You don't have to wait for a month for them to build up. Yeah. I seem to remember a story about Doug that, you know, read it somewhere, heard it, whatever, that he used to watch TV at home. He'd lay on the floor on his side, but he wouldn't use a pillow. He'd hold his head up to build his neck muscles and stuff up. Yeah, and honestly, if he wouldn't have had such good neck muscles when he crashed in Kansas City, oh yeah, I think it would have been a lot worse because he was a specimen. I mean, he was in shape, and he builds his neck up. He used to go to the Y and use that neck machine all the time, so his neck muscles were built. Yeah, and I think it would have been a different situation if he wouldn't have been so, you know, oh, yeah. such great shape. So that was all pre Hans device. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I. I never wore a neck collar. I, I was a big dude. I didn't have no neck. I was kind of like Steve Kinzer. I put one of them on and pushed the helmet up. I couldn't see where I was going. Oh. I always wore one when we were racing go-karts. <laughs> yeah, we had your dad. Well, we uh, had to wear them then, and I wasn't as as big then. I wasn't as, you know, I didn't lift the weights and do all that stuff. But um, I was at the Super Nationals one year, and I think I was leading, and I wasn't wearing a neck collar, and some guy, some official walks up and says, you finish the race without a neck collar, you're disqualified. I just turn and there's some modified guy sitting there uh, at the fence. And I told him, I said, give me your neck collar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a closed red, so he throws it. I'm telling you what, the guy must do some disc golfing or something. Because he disc golfed that sucker right into the cockpit of my sprint car from the, from the fence. Really? Put it on to finish the race. I stopped on the back straightaway and gave it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> so he could go racing. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, do what you have to. <laughs> do what you got to do to run. It's, it's... Oh, yeah. And then, you know, it's funny. One year we went down there and we won it. And I actually passed uh, Danny Young. He was running a $30,000 Gertie. Yeah. I drove by him with my dad's engine. My dad built my engines. And my, I had twelve, fifteen hundred bucks in that thing. Drove right by that, Gertie. It was so awesome. 
<laughs> and then uh, the next year, we drove down there in rain. And, I mean, I couldn't get out of my own damn way. Uh, we found out that the uh, got road grime in the uh, torsion bar bushing, so the bars were all frozen oh, up. Okay. I was basically yep. running a go-kart, no suspension. It just wasn't freed up. But I didn't finish in the top four in the A-Main. I made, I made the A-Main, but I didn't. I mean, I was not in contention to win at all. Well, Danny Young won it. Uh, so, um, I tried to buy the Gertie engine for 800 bucks. Oh, the claim. <laughs> I claimed him. I, yeah, I claimed him and boy, him and his dad wanted to beat the hell out of me and all that <laughs> stuff. And, you know, and well, we got Paul Ponslet down there. I think, uh, um, it ended up, the win ended up going to Brett Stenga from Laverne. Okay. Cause he ran second, but we had a bunch of Sioux Falls guys down there. And, and I told, and I was telling Danny and his dad, I said, well, come on, what are you waiting for? And then some guy says to me, hey, yeah, don't get him riled up. We can't stop him then. And Ponslet, he's standing right next to me, goes, well, you think he's bad? Rile me up. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Paul was such a great guy. <laughs> Paul always had, he, he was, uh, he, he was uh, quite the character. A very good friend. Oh. But yeah, he was standing right there. Well, go ahead and rile me up and find out. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that name just, in a long time. Oh, uh, he was a hell of a racer. Yep. He was a heck of a racer. So, but yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was kind of cool, you know, involved with that 8D car, you know. Um, I drove some other people's cars, but you know, I mainly drove my own. Um, didn't have the opportunities. I don't know why. Um, I thought I was doing a pretty good job, but, uh, I drove Corky, the Corky's radiator sprayer in 1992. Uh, but that was a pretty low budget 410. We'd go down to Knoxville. I'd run three, two perfect laps in time trials and be two seconds slow. So, um, but it gave me an opportunity to race Knoxville, which, you know, not a lot of people get that opportunity to do. Uh, I couldn't afford my own car to race down there. So I never went down there. Um, uh, I did drive uh, um, Gary Swenson, the 24B car. Okay. When it was a small wing, hard tire, 360 deal. Well, you know, John Gerloff's about five foot four, weighs about 135. <laughs> Same and as you. I go down there, I'm six foot, and I weigh about 200. <laughs> and they got the seat bracket raised up five inches so he can see over the hood, and my head's sticking out of the roll cage. That's not so recommended. We're, we're getting this thing. We're getting this. You know, in Knoxville. I'm sorry, but this is Knoxville. We're we're kind of going fast. Yeah, yeah. So, um, which I get in the car and I go out for hot laps, and I literally going down straight away. I have to duck my head to look under the front halo so I can see where I'm going. <laughs> and it's just uncomfortable as hell. So I come in. I'm like, man, my head's sticking out of the roll cage. And when Lloyd Beckman helped, remember Lloyd Beckman? I don't he remember won, that like, name. He won uh, nationals in like 1960-something. He's an old dude. And he was just a growly bastard. And he told it the way it was. And he goes, hell, I drove these cars out, roll cages. Don't be telling me about your head hitting the ground or something. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what do you say to that? You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm 22 years old trying to get into this and driving a pretty fast race car. You know, and you got... All these guys, Gary Swenson, he owned great cars. And uh, 
Well, actually, Doug had called him because Gary said, yeah, John can't race. Who do you think I should hire? And Doug told him, there's a kid who works for Schnee. He'll wheel the hell out of that thing. But I'm going to tell you, he's a big kid. So you make the car fit him. And he'll drive the wheels off that thing. So I go down there. And, you know, all this happens. And we ran sixth in the beat, missed the transfer by one. And uh, we were coming back for, the, you know, the, the next night. And he just says, ah, I'm pulling the plug. We're going home. All right. So I go back and Wolfgang asked me, how'd it go? <laughs> said, well, I said, they didn't really change the car to fit me. And my head was sticking out of the roll cage. And. Wolfgang, God damn it! I told him what to do. Chewed <laughs> <laughs> Gary Swenson's butt on the phone. Uh, Gary won't talk to me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> He's still pissed off at me. I think. Some people hold You know, it really uh, it it sucked because you know Doug got me a hell of a ride. Yeah, but I couldn't do with it what I wanted to do with it because. You know, I didn't have the self-preservation issues that I have now because I'm 55. When I, but I still knew this isn't good. No. With my head sticking out of the roll cage. No. So I just, I, I, that was in the back of my mind instead of going out there and standing on the gas and, and doing the best I could possibly yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. There, the, the, there might be room here to pass. This guy was not an option that night. <laughs> Well, you know, when I was racing my car, if there was a 5% chance I could make it work, I'd be like, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, shit. Give her I mean, a shot. In, 90, in 93, I think I flipped 17 times. <laughs> that's but not necessarily won, a stat you're supposed to But keep. I won about 20, 24 races, I think, that year. Yeah. And well, that was the year that I learned what to do and what not to do because I did what you're not supposed to do a lot, <laughs> but I did what you're supposed to do a lot. And that was kind of the year that I... I really started, you know, figuring stuff out and getting fast, and things started slowing down. Doug always told me, you're going to get to a point where, you know, like right now, everything's just whizzing by at 100 and whatever miles an hour. He says, and you're going to get to a point, all that's just going to go into slow motion. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing, drugs? <laughs> you know, because I didn't know what the hell he's talking about. And then as I got into the 93, 94 season, and that started happening, things just started really slowing down, and I started, you know, you could kind of see what the ne- the guy in front of you was going to do, and you know it, it, it was it was really weird because it's hard to explain to somebody until they experience it. Yeah, you know, and Doug told me about it because I was in '89. He was running down the backstretch at Knoxville, splitting two lap cars, and he's looking up at his wing, pulling his wing back, going down the straightaway at Knoxville, <laughs> and I'm just like, you ain't even looking at where you're going. And he's just like. I mean, that, that year he just dominated, you know? Yeah. And I asked him, I said, dude, you know, you weren't even looking at the track. Look, everything happens in slow motion. So I asked him what, what he meant, and I experienced it. It's kind of cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, we, uh, I, I'm a coach. I coach different sports, but I use that analogy in basketball all the time. If you're thinking the game is fast or you're nervous out there, you're not going to be successful. It's when the game slows down to you and it seems like, you know, nobody can take the ball away from you or anything. That's when you're going to start being really, really good out there. The Doug Wilson exactly. the basketball you are. Huh? Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, in a 93, that 93 season, I mean, we did, 
we had a, my team had a great year. I mean, that was kind of the breakout year. That was the first year that I won the championship at Houston's. And I got to the point, you know, I'm pulling the front straightaway, and I mean, my guys, they worked seven days a week on that car. And we worked from the time we got off work till sometime 10, 11 o'clock at night, every single night. And, and I'd get out of the car, and it'd be like, half the crowd is booing me, and half the crowd was cheering me. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what are you people booing me for? You know, I've worked my butt off to get here. My team's worked their butt off so I can get here. And you're booing us? You know, and so I tell him, Doug, about it. Doug goes, what? He always started, when he started out, listen here, son. When he starts, you better listen. He's going to tell you some important stuff. He said, listen here, son. You're doing your job. Because right now, you're winning and you're doing good enough. Or the people that appreciate what you're doing love you and they're cheering for you and the people that are damn sick of seeing you win yep. they're, they're the booing the hell out of you that's yep. right so he says you're doing exactly what you're doing just keep doing it smile and just thank them yep <laughs> well that's the way it's always been too because i said years oh, ago McCall, i think is the best at doing that oh yeah, yeah. Thank oh, yeah. people that are booing them i know you're cheering for me thanks everybody you know Terry <laughs> McCall, i love that guy yeah i've loved that guy since i met him yeah i I don't think Aaron Reitzel's figured that out yet. No. <laughs> but anyhow, no. we, we, uh, no, that, that guy, that guy's a hell of a race car driver. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's, uh, going to be really good. He just sometimes may just need to learn how to keep his mouth shut and not pick fights with guys way tougher than him. <laughs> oh. Well, we're we're gonna wrap this up. We got two more yet tonight. Who knows? Maybe we'll have to have you on again, Matt, because I I think you have a lot more stories in you. And I, oh, yeah, I love we did, hearing we just all this. The tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> I I love hearing all the stories with Doug Wolfgang. You know, we've we've reached out to Doug a couple times, and he just says he's old news. So this this is a oh, way for us him. to he's, hear he's about just, Doug Wolfgang. So it's yeah, awesome. He's, he's he's a very modest guy. He's probably one of the. Oh, yeah. greatest people in the sport and he just he's i'm just i'm just me you bet you bet that's awesome so let's let's go through these rapid fire questions quick what's your favorite flavor of ice cream i'm gonna have to go with uh chocolate chip mint there you go that's a fairly that's popular a common one. one yep um cat or dog person what do you prefer to have um dog hands down cats have attitudes yep. <laughs> ain't that the truth do you have any hobbies? Uh, yes. I Since I got rid of race cars, I can afford Harley-Davidson's now. I got a couple of them, and I ride them all over the country. Two races. Two races. So yeah, how I many, actually how many ride, miles do you put on ride, a year? What's that? How many miles you put on in a year? Uh, it varies. Depends on what I got going on at work. Okay. Uh, but anywhere between five and 15,000 a year. That's awesome. Well, it takes me probably 10 years to get to 5,000. <laughs> um, how about a favorite movie? Hands down, The Usual Suspects. Ooh, there you go. You ever seen it? I have. Kaiser I can't remember Soze. too much of it, but I have. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's a pretty good look. movie. It's got a pretty good cast. Gonna have to look her up on Netflix. There you go. Usual suspects. Write her down. <laughs> I won't remember otherwise. You, you prefer snow or rain? 
I'm going to have to say rain. I lived in Washington for 15 years. I never once had to shovel it. There you go. (laughs) If you're living in Washington, you better like rain. Oh, yeah, nine months of the year. Yep. Um, If you're going to be stranded on an island, what album or what type of music would you want to take along to listen to? It's going to be 80s heavy metal, Metallica. There you go. um, by the, all that kind of stuff. Yes, that's exactly right. Good music. Not the good, heavy metal. Good I can't music. get not the Metallica. I never got into Metallica. Oh, come on, Tob. Uh, do you have a favorite place to go out to eat? Uh, there's actually a place here in Billings. It's called the Buffalo Block, and they have... Now, it's not cheap, but it's damn good. But they uh, have basically buffalo ribeyes and buffalo prime rib and oh. you don't even need a knife to eat it it's that tender oh, that's awesome. the best um how about a favorite holiday uh it's gonna have to be between christmas and thanksgiving because it's the only time i get off long enough to go home and spend time with my mom and my pops my son and his family um, otherwise, I'm just too busy to to get back to South Dakota. Yep. Yep. What app on your phone do you use the most? Oh, Facebook. Um, how many speeding tickets do you think you've gotten in your lifetime? Well, I know exactly how many I've oh. gotten. And this is probably going to disappoint a lot of people, but a week after I got my driver's license when I was 15 years old, that was the only time I ever got a speeding ticket. Really? Oh, that's that's pretty good. But this is the big question then. What's the fastest you've ever gone on the highway? And that's why I can't believe I only got one. (laughs) There's a story tied to this one. I'm 18 years old, working on the go-karts in the shop at my parents' house. And some guy walks in. He said, yeah, I need to talk to Matt. I'm like, that's me. Oh, I'm with the so-and-so of this insurance company. And -and so-and-so gave me your name. And, uh, you're interested in insurance. I'm like, well, why the hell she? Well, she got some free plates. It was a <laughs> friend of mine. And uh, she was starting a family, so she got free plates for her house. Didn't have money, so I understood it. So we go out in the driveway, and we're talking. And I look and see he's driving a Porsche. Okay, he's got my interest now. <laughs> I said, so how fast that sucker go? He goes, I have no idea. It scares the hell out of me. So, well, let's go. Let's go find out what it'll do. Seriously. I'm 18 years old. And he goes, well, you're racing. You drive, you drive, you race. So yeah, let's go. <laughs> so we sit in there and we buckle up and I look at him. I said, so do you have good insurance? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yes, I do. I said, all right. So my parents lived on the east side of Sioux Falls. So I take him up to 26th street and we go out to highway 11. And that was before all that stuff was out there. It was yeah. just two lane. And they had that little turn to go onto Highway 42 by Ernst Wrecking there. Yep. yep. We were around that corner at 85, sideways. <laughs> so then we take 42 out to Highway 11 going to Houston. And I went 162 miles an hour in that Porsche. And it had more left, but I got off the gas because his window trim on his the front of his windshield blew off. <laughs> <laughs> Did you so my I figured I'm going to slow down because that car didn't like going that fast. It started to shed parts. Oh, man. Did, did you by chance have a time to look at his face to see what he looked like? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, the dashboard had 
fingerprints left in and on the passenger side when he was done. And he was about the same color as a sheet of paper when we got done. Oh, and then he goes, well, do you want my insurance? I said, hell no. Thanks for letting me drive your car, though. <laughs> He's thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever done. Oh. Give the keys to an 18-year-old. Oh, and that guy that races, too? How oh, you're just dumb. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh. oh, so we better keep going here before we get lost again. Um, What's your favorite drink or what's your go-to beverage? Well, I've been sober for 13 years, but before that, I've been a Budweiser. So now I'm going to have to go with a uh, power a sugar-free Powerade and the fruit punch flavor. There, there you go. Well, congratulations on the 13 years. Yeah, I, I still have a, a Heineken Zero once in a while, but but yeah, I give, uh, gave that stuff up, maybe do stupid stuff. Yeah, <laughs> usually does. So, and I obviously have not needed help doing that. I've done a good job of it all on my own. Yeah. If um, money was no object... Is there a car or a pickup or anything that you always wish that you could have owned? Well, I'm a pickup guy. I own a, a F450 Platinum, so I've got that taken care of. Uh, but I would have to say it'd be a Roush Mustang. Something that just faster than hell would scare anybody that was with me. There you go. That's that would awesome. work. It'd scare the hell out of me, I'm pretty sure. I would have been about just like the guy with you, Just take $100 bills to the dash. When you get pulled over, just tell the cop to grab one. Yeah, well, I always feel better driving than I do riding. <laughs> oh, you ought to be a race car driver and get in with somebody that thinks they know how to drive. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. We'll pass. Well, Matt, it, it wasn't the easiest to reach out and find you. Um, I know, and I apologize for that. I'm kind of a ghost now. But but I I did find you, and yeah. I'm so glad because this has been absolutely awesome. So oh, it's been a blast. We didn't even get to talk about you guys building the go kart motor for us or nothing. We we might have to do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, we did. We built go. We, my dad built go kart engines. I actually built racing go karts uh, yep. in the late '90s, 1990s. Yeah, my kid a, almost won the nationals one year with one of the carts I built. We had a we had a bug chassis just like you did. When we were playing, we were just racing around at Falkins's, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Brought a motor up to your dad. Probably you were still there then. It had to have been in the mid-80s, late 80s. And yeah, I probably gonna, just, went, just went to sprint, started doing the sprint car deal about that time. Yeah, he was going to overhaul it for us. It was stock when we were standard when we brought her up there. We come back to get it. He asked us what the hell we did to that thing because she was 60 over by the time he cleaned her up. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to clean the air filter, didn't you? Uh, well, no, we run the hell out of it all summer. And then yeah, we, you know, we might have added some ether to the ethanol or the methanol, <laughs> and we had her pretty hot. Yeah. What but, you got to do is put hydrogen peroxide in it. Adds, uh, adds uh, oxygen module molecules. Oh, that we never did. Now, where were you when we were trying to cheat with Fulton <laughs> so we could kick his ass? And you know what? The gas meters can't detect that. <laughs> not not that you ever did it while you were racing. The nationals, no. they can't detect that. Yeah. Well, they can smell our ether. <laughs> they yeah, could. but you can't smell hydrogen peroxide. No. Nope. Nope. And you can buy the medical grade, and it's really good stuff. There you go. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to let the grading uh, boys know about that. All right. Well, thanks so much, Matt. Thanks again. You bet. It's been a uh, been a lot of fun, and if you guys want to do it again, I'll be more than happy. I, I can probably do five more shows. All right, well, we'll, we'll keep great. you in mind. We're looking forward to it. <laughs>
All right, man. I appreciate you having me on, guys. Take care, man. Take care. Bud, when I talk about wrapping something, what do you think of? Uh, Christmas presents? Well, that's true, but that's not what I'm talking about here. See, every day you go to Octane Inc., it does kind of feel like Christmas. It's not the same kind of wrapping, but man, it's like getting a present every time you go there. These guys wrap everything. Snowmobiles, UTVs, golf carts, race cars, trailers. To be honest, if it moves, they can probably wrap it. You know what? It doesn't even have to move till they wrap my ping pong table into the Iowa Hawkeye football field, and it looks amazing. That is true. I guess they also do hoodies, t-shirts, and hats, and other accessories. Bud, what the heck are you doing now? Well, you never know. Maybe Brett wants to pick up some other kind of wrapping. I don't think that's going to happen, but if you want to give him a call in T, South Dakota, it's Octane, Inc., 605-213-8343. Again, that's 605-213-8343. Hey, Toe, Matt was really good. That was good. I, like, like we said, I think we got Matt on again. I think he's got more stories to tell. <laughs> I think so. Uh... But that's what I love about, you know, I, I hate to keep giving you credit, but this idea you had to do the retired guys, or however you want to say it, you know. Former, retired. Former, yeah. It's just been a blast. Yeah. The stories and whatnot, and it's, yeah. So, yeah, we may have to have him on again. <laughs> I think we've been saying that about everyone lately. But that's all right. <laughs> well, they'll come back on. We'll just make a big old circle, oh, and we'll do it all over again. Oh, man. Hell, by the time we have him back on, I'll forget everything anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can't remember what 2 plus 2 is. So Six, right? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. But anyways, Matt was a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt, for being on the show. and Yeah. We'll, we'll Out in Billings, Montana. Did so. not know that. Yeah, yeah. That was... And just, just saying, how I found out about it is, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to do one with Matt. It was one of the requests. <laughs> I saw this Matt Richard, and there wasn't a guy or anything. You know, normally, what does he look like? You yeah. know, you kind of tell. Yeah. Is there any chance that this Matt Richard is a guy that used to race at Houston's? <laughs> if it is, would you mind replying to me? And he goes, Seriously? Uh, yeah, I raced at Houston's like, a couple centuries ago, <laughs> what do you need? And I'm like, well, we do a <laughs> podcast. So, I'm, I'm just saying, if you guys know of retired drivers, and it could be body guys, somebody give me Marty Barty's Barber's number. I'm working number. on that. I got that one coming. But, uh, you know, I got anybody. We'll, we're glad, you know, oh. yes, we do a lot of sprint car drivers, but we love racing. Yep. We'll interview anybody. So, just... Throwing that out there. but I was supposed to get Marty's yesterday, and I forgot to go get it from the guy that was supposed to get well, it for me. Hell, you talked to Bob Klosterbauer in the freaking Dollar General, you said, and I've I'll, been trying to get a hold of him, what? too. I'll ride out to his house. I know where he lives. Jesus. Come on, Tope. I'm flipping. Old age. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we got more to do. We got to get going. Have a good night, everyone.